like to turn our attention now to the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 11. read that last Sunday in the evening. I didn't focus on, uh, on what I'm going to focus on this morning with you from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Uh, each time I, I read, there's certain scriptures that you read uh, once, twice, three, and each time it, it moves you. This is one of them, a uh, parable of the prodigal sons, another that just brings tears to me every time I, I read it. Uh, but this is very... Very precious report here, teaching from uh, the physician and historian Luke, who uh, wrote this gospel in chapter 11. Hear now God's word through his servant Luke, and now by the Holy Spirit. It came to pass that as he was praying, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine is uh, in his journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity, his persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say to you, ask, it shall be given to you. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives. He that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. 
How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? May God bless the reading of his precious word. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your word. Your word is truth. This teaching is uh, just full of full of goodness, full of truth. It abounds in mercy, kindness. We pray that you you would magnify our understanding of just a small portion. It's found in verse 2, when he teaches them to pray, Our Father which in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What are we asking when we ask, hallowed be thy name? Instruct us, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, the... uh, Heidelberg Catechism, question 122, asks this question, which is the first petition? And it answers the, uh, its question, hallowed be thy name, is the first petition. Uh, first request that the Lord tells us to ask, instructs us to ask, hallowed be thy name. That is, the uh, Heidelberg continues, grant us first rightly to know thee, and to sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works, in which thy power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. But we want to begin by saying, reminding you of uh, something that the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in his first letter, when he talks about charity and your translation, most translations translate this love. It, uh, It never fails, but where the be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Uh, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be, be done away. And when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abides faith, hope, charity, or love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Prophecies are no more. I know that there are Christians, many Christians, that say they are. But they are not. All the prophecies are in the Bible and they have been fulfilled by Jesus Christ or will someday be fulfilled when he returns. That's done. Tongues, they are no more. I know there are Christians that learn how to speak in tongues and they so speak in tongues. Uh, Tongues without interpretation, kind of useless, but 
tongues with interpretation was prophetic. And, those, and here Paul says, prophecy ceased, tongues ceased, and the, uh, the writing of the word is now done. What remains is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Why is the greatest love? Well, because when faith becomes sight, it's no more. These last three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Well, faith, when it becomes sight, when we see him face to face, it's no more faith. Just like hope. We hope for the uh, fulfillment of the promise of our everlasting eternal life. And when we step into heaven's glory, first in our soul existence and then body and soul, uh, hope is no more. Hope is fulfilled. So the greatest is love, because that's forever. We are going to love God everlastingly. He loves us everlastingly. We are to love him everlastingly. And I believe that that is the way we are to understand the Lord's Prayer, to begin to understand the Lord's Prayer, and especially the petitions to the Lord's Prayer. There are six, right? Uh, three are announced in, in, in verse 2. Hallowed be thy name is the first petition taught. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. And then the other three are give us uh, our daily bread, forgive us our sins, and lead us not into temptation. Right? And all of these petitions will be fulfilled. Right? When we get to heaven, everything is there for us. We don't have to ask for anything. It's, it's, it's there in all its fullness. When we get to heaven and earth and heaven become one, the kingdom of God is fulfilled and the will of God is accomplished. To save a people for himself and glorify them in heaven. But the one thing, the one petition, if you will, that will continue on and on into glory, and, be, and just while we're in glory forever, like the angels do now, the cherubim and the seraphim, Saints made perfect in their soul existence, a couple that are in their body, like Enoch, Elijah, maybe Moses, I don't know, Jesus. They are all praising God and singing, holy, holy, holy. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. <clears throat> so this is first for a reason. It's the one that will definitely distinguish itself now and in glory. And so it's important for us to learn. Now you can pray these words. This is the Bible. And we are to pray God's words after him. That's why I start off many times with reading a psalm or a piece of scripture, a portion of scripture, 
to direct my prayer according to his word. I'm not just to fly by the seat of my pants when I pray. To understand and know what to pray. In fact, that's the way these disciples begin. How shall we pray? And the Lord doesn't say, what do you mean, you don't know? Everybody knows how to pray. Just say what you will. No. Pray these words. And so it is appropriate for us to pray the words. And someone asked me, we we do that each and every Sunday, and not just someone, a lot of people have asked that. In fact, we went through that in a Christian studies group one time, uh, the uh, Lord's Prayer. And uh, this sets the pace for all of our prayers. Whatever we're about to say in prayer, or even in song, should be according to this prayer. It opens up the gate of knowledge about prayer. And so I want to focus our attention on the first petition, the first request, which is how be the name. And sort of do it according to the way the uh, Heidelberg answered it. That is, grant us first rightly to know thee, so we want to know God. And that's, you know, part of that prayer. What do you mean, hallowed be thy name? Well, we're praying to know you, to sanctify and glorify and praise you in all your works, in which your power and your wisdom, your goodness, your justice, your mercy, your truth are clearly displayed, and further also that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, our words, our actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Lord, forgive me! When I bring dishonor to your name, because I call myself Christian and I don't act that way. I don't sound that way. I don't perhaps even believe that way. So under the three points, I'm going to try to fit all this in. God's name is holy. Uh, God's holy answer to that uh, request, hallowed be thy name. And then finally, our holy priority. I think you all believe this, no matter where you're from in terms of your Christian identity. Prayer is a good thing, right? We need to pray. There are several reasons pointed out. Uh, For example, God is always worthy of prayer and praise, right? I mean, all Christians would agree with that. He's always worthy of, uh, of prayer and praise. We are not constantly conscious of God, right? We're often distracted, and, and so we, we need to focus our attention more on God, and prayer does that. So it's helpful for that reason. We always have sins and uh, <clears throat> sinfulness to confess. I think every day we need to bow the knee 
fold the hands, bow the head, whatever, and, and ask God to forgive me my sin. We've all probably sinned before we got to church. And maybe some of us are sinning right now by focusing our attention on work or plans for the day or upcoming things or whatever. That's sinful. And you've been focused on God. So we need to pray. Prayer focuses us. <clears throat> well, of course, another reason to pray is that we owe God gratitude for his provision. Right? I'm in my 70s. Some of you are in your 80s. Some people 90s. And you young people, you, you need to learn appreciation. Because God's given you every heartbeat and every breath. And he might do that again and again for 70, 80, 90 years of your life. Praise him now. Learn how to praise him now and thank him for your life. Your physical life, your psychological life, that can go. It's going for me, but not completely gone yet, but it goes. Emotional life. Thank him. If you have equilibrium in your life, Emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, spiritually, by you have a lot to be thankful for. Especially if you're older. Especially if you're older. I never, I, I didn't do it before. I do it now, every day, every morning. I used to just maybe it's because I'm not as jumpy as I used to be. I used to be so wiry, I just open my eyes and bing, I'm out. Now it takes a little bit more. And in that time, I thank him for watching over me and giving me strength to get up and moving. And you know that. I'm not telling you anything else. And there are good reasons to pray. But the primary reason that uh, we pray is because we're needy. These six petitions teach us the requests. We're asking God. We're requesting from God that he, he, he give us these things. First, that we'd be hallowing his name. We're praying for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as in earth and heaven to unite. We're praying and asking him for daily bread, for forgiveness of sins, to lead us away from temptation or not into temptation or strengthen us once we are faced with it. So this prayer, full of petitions as it is, addresses our need, our need of the moment, for the moment, every moment. And so it really focuses us on something uh, extremely important, as Peter points out. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And boy, do we care. Not only for ourselves, but uh, others we love. We care. We're needy. We have cares, concerns. As I pointed out to you, 
The first petition is speaking about God's holy name. Hallowed be thy name. And uh, it is extremely, extremely holy. We need to be focusing in on this. For by nature we are unholy. We are sinful. But God is holy, holy, holy. That's who he is. That adorns every other perfection of God. First, his holiness. That's why it's first here. When you pray, our Father which art in heaven, ask, request, petition. Hallowed be thy name. Holy be. What is holy? What is it to be holy? Well, I have mentioned before to you that the word in the Greek means separate one. Separate. Distinguished. Holy. To worship. The scriptures abound with calling God holy, of course, but also even his people, right? Israel. Israel was a people holy unto the Lord. The Levites, the tribe of Levi, was separated by God to serve in his holy worship. The Sabbath day is the holy Sabbath day. The tabernacle, the temple, the vessels for worship, the room where the Ark of the Covenant was was put in. The city itself, Jerusalem, were all called holy in the Word of God. Distinguishing them, separating them, constantly, ordinary things. But when they are put to work for God, when they are put in the service of God, they are for a holy use. Nothing holy about this building. It's a building. There's nothing holy. It's called a church. Has a steeple. But the holy people of God, which are called saints, saints are holy, are separate, are God's separate people. When they fill the room, that is a holy Worship, And it is appropriate to call the place where we meet, wherever it may be, a sanctuary at that time. When we leave, it's not. Because we are the holy people of God, the saints of God, in the New Testament. <clears throat> when we say that God is holy... We do not mean that he needs to be set apart from that which is ordinary or sinful. He is already in himself distinct, set apart from 
everything in creation and everyone in creation. That is his nature. He is holy. He is separate. He is distinct. Yesterday, today, and forever. We are set apart. This place is set apart. This table is set apart. It's an ordinary thing. God is extraordinary. He is holy in his essence. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? From Exodus fifteen eleven, Glorious in holiness. <clears throat> God's name stands for all that we know about him. What he reveals to us in the scriptures and what he reveals to us in creation reveals to us his name. Hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. What is your name? And the Bible tells us that the name of God, God is love. God is holy. God is majestic. God is just. God is merciful. God is kind. And God has revealed himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, O God. His name refers also to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's called many things. His name is wonderful, magnificent. Arose by any other name. Smells just as sweet. All these names that God has called, just magnifying his holiness to us. One of the things about a name, a, a name does not necessarily distinguish well, it does distinguish one person uh, from another, but it, it doesn't make a difference if you change the name, right? God is still God no matter what we call him, Jehovah or Yahweh or Jesus Christ. or He's still God. But there is one thing that's important about a name that we need to, uh, to remember. And name has to do with, uh, with also, it's a distinguishing between persons, but it it's also has to do with a reputation. And that's why in Proverbs we read, for example, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having that mentality, that perspective? That I'd rather have a good name than be a millionaire. Really? Does that explain who you are? I'd rather have a name that people respect. He's a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's a faithful man. 
He's been faithful to his ministry for 37 years. He's been faithful to his wife. He's been a good father. He has a good, rep- good rapport with, uh, with people that meet him. That is to be more desired than gold. Is that your? That's what the word of God says. A good name, a good reputation is to be chosen rather than great riches. It may come down to that. I heard of a woman recently who gave up a million dollar offer not to, uh, to not say anything concerning what's happening in the school that she was teaching at. She was offered a position with a million dollars. And she turned it down. Because she had to speak against what was going on in the school that she was teaching in. That she was, I think she was a principal or, or someone on the council or the board or whatever. And rather than shut up, behave, do what you're told, listen. Which was what she had been doing For many, many years, decades perhaps, she said, no more, I can't do this. This is hurting children. I cannot. For all the money in the world, million dollars in her case. Are you like that? I mean, that's what a Christian is like. That's what every Christian ought to be like. Doesn't, it's not remarkable to me that someone would stand up, in this case for children, rather than for money, to shut up for money. I know I would do what she did. At least I believe, I, I hope I would. Shame on me if I do not. So, what's in a name? Yeah, it distinguishes one thing from another, but perhaps what is more important, reputation, character. God's character is great. And that's what we pray for when we pray, hallowed be thy name. We want, we are asking God that he honor his name. In all the earth. That he be praised and glory to his wonderful name. That his reputation in the earth would be noteworthy. How does God answer this prayer? His uh, holy answer. Well, The first uh, divine answer to this petition comes through the preaching, as one author put it, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in sinners believing this gospel. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are praying that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go out and save. Yes, myself, my family... My 
relatives and friends and neighbors and even my enemies. So this prayer, hallowed be thy name, is a prayer of mission, of evangelism. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are being evangelistic. We are being missionary-minded. We are asking that the reputation of God's name be honored and glorified, that the gospel spread through all the earth, and first beginning with our own lives and circle and into our communities and beyond. That's one thing we pray for when we pray this prayer. That people may know that thou, whose Name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Psalm 83, verse 18. There's also something else we pray for when we, when we ask, when we request, hallowed be thy name. <clears throat> and God answers. It is personal. Listen to what Jesus says at the end of this prayer, this teaching on prayer. And when he's giving these, this lesson, well, I just want to emphasize once again, ask, you'll be given, seek, and you'll find not, and it will be open. If you don't ask, you don't receive. If you don't seek, you won't find. And if you don't knock, 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 it will not be open. But then he says at the end of this, if you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And so when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. It gets personal. Give me your Holy Spirit so I can hallow your name. Because without the Holy Spirit, I can't do that. I won't do that. I will sell my soul for far less than a million bucks. I'll sell my soul for a constant job. Rather than bow the knee to Jesus on the Lord's day because the job demands that I work on the Sabbath when I should not. But I sell myself for that mount. You see that in sports? They desecrate the Sabbath, all these people. Desecrated. I mean, you know, yeah, we all, we all break the Sabbath. We all do. We're all guilty. But these people do it systematically. Week after week after week after week. While saying Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not judging them. Neither should you. That's their business between themselves and God. They're clearly breaking the fourth commandment. But I'm not going to sell my soul for a job. Started out that way when I first became a Christian. I I didn't know any better, so I was working. But then I realized that someone told me. Did you realize that there's a fourth commandment here? No. 
you're not supposed to work. Some some jobs you have to work, of course, in emergencies and things like that, police, and, you know, there's all kinds of exceptions. But you, your job is not an exception. You shouldn't be doing it. Oh, really? All right. Well, if you don't work on the Lord's side, you can't work here. All right. I won't work here. I'll work somewhere else. Simple. Well, no, not when you're willing to sell your soul for some money. I come again to that woman. Because of the children. Now, she wasn't because of God, but it was because of the children. It was hurting the children, what they were doing at the school. And she said, I will not do it. Over a million dollars. Month of it. So it's personal. He gives us the Holy Spirit to hallow his name. And what the Holy Spirit does is he, he, he brings to our awareness our sinfulness, right? Because this is the distinction between God who is holy, 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 thrice holy, and us who are sinful. Sinful, sinful, sinful. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to our sinfulness. That's the first thing he does. But then also, the Holy Spirit makes us new creatures in Christ. Behold, everything becomes new. Really? Now that happened for me because I wasn't raised as a Christian. Some of you were. You don't know a time, like my wife, you don't know a time when you did not know him. I did. The contrast was remarkable for me. When God answers this prayer, hallowed be thy name, uh, in my life, and this uh, gives me just a personal knowledge of himself, I begin to understand more and more who he is, what his name is, and what that name means. Because you cannot hallow the name of God without knowing him. And so you need to know his name. His name identifies who he is. And so it begin, you begin to, uh, the Spirit begins to open your eyes to the knowledge of who God is from within the word of God. Even as the creator, this magnificent creation, it reveals who he is so that no one is, without, is with excuse. But then this word, it opens up a, a sea, a, a beautiful, an oasis, if you will, of knowledge about God. And it washes away our ignorance. Of him. You know, people are busy learning about all kinds of things. They're learning their jobs. They're learning in class about uh, what they're interested in, whether it's biology or, or medicine or some other scientific endeavor or psychology or sociology or, you know, they're studying. Uh, Maybe how to fix cars, or how to be a plumber, or an electrician. I mean, people study, and people learn, and people get to know how to be farmers, 
right, and grow crops and grow certain things and certain weather and all that stuff. They learn all this stuff. But what do you know about the name of God? Have you studied the scriptures to learn the name of God, who he is and what he is? See, you know how to study. You have studied and been studying your whole life. But this is the greatest study of all. So when you pray, hallowed be thy name, well, I have to learn your name. I have to know what your name means and what it is revealing about you so that I am not ignorant. And so that's another answer to this prayer, this request, that I may hallow your name by learning it. And there's one more thing to say before we come to the end here, and that is that uh, when... uh, God answers this petition, hallowed be your name. You're asking him to make you holy, to make to sanctify you, so that you can promote his holiness, his holy name, by the way you live, by the things you say. So you're asking him to come into your life by the Holy Spirit, asking for the Holy Spirit, and to give you a good name, a good reputation, a good rapport with other people. So that then when they see you, they ask, well, who have you been with? There's something different about you. Who's making you this way? What makes you this way? You can say the Holy Spirit of God has changed, has come into my life, has changed my life, bowing the knee to Jesus, has changed my life. And you notice that. Thank you so much. What a compliment. When you pray this, hallowed be thy name, you're asking him to make you holy, to give you a good reputation, so it gives him, God, a good reputation. And so this prayer, as I said, is first for a reason. Hallowed be thy name is priority number one in our prayer. Prayer, what are the means of grace? I hope you all know the means of grace. What are they? Preaching. The sacraments. Baptism, especially for you who are older now, the Lord's Supper. Church discipline, means of grace, discipline you. But the fourth one, and the most important one, actually first, last shall be first, prayer. Prayer, means of grace. The greatest means of grace, the means of grace that is yours at any time, anywhere. Prayer. Communication with God. That is going to change your life. That is going to make you remarkable. Oh, Father, my Father, hallowed be thy name. Ask God to make you holy in your actions so that you are able to spread the gospel by your actions. They will see the good work of your Father and glorify him. By your kindness 
to others. Your gentle spirit, your meekness. Ask God to make you holy in your words. So you're not cursing and swearing and complaining and griping and gossiping and backbiting, you know, and all these other things that, you know, words that identify you. Shameful things. But instead, you're using words, you're speaking God's praises and prayers, and you're encouraging people with your words to believe in Jesus Christ. He will change your life and keep on changing it for the better. When you pray, hallowed be thy name, you're asking God to make your thoughts holy because that's where sin comes from, right? the issues of the heart, the thoughts emerge from there. Uh, rather than thinking bad thoughts, filling your mind with, you know, uh, something my my own family tells me. You know, I watched the television a little too much and the news, and it fills your head with all kinds of thoughts that are not necessarily good. When the Bible clearly tells us that we ought to think on those things that are lovely, that are pure, that are holy, that are excellent. That we ought to think on those things. Fill your head with those things. When you're asking God, hallowed be your name, uh, hallowed be thy name, uh, you're asking him to uh, also... Take your emotions and uh, rather than be angry and bitter, spiteful, self-pitying, nasty and negative all the time, your desire is to be gentle and meek, patient, kind. I need to develop these things more, Lord. I'm not finished, believe me. I haven't arrived. But that's what I need. I don't need to be more emotionally upset or angry or violent. As one writer put it in short, ask the Lord to make you holy in all the things that you do say, think, feel, love, and desire. That's another thing. Desire. What do I desire? To be a success, a material success, a success in business, a success in school, a success in this. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But the first priority is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he will give you the things that you need for your life to accomplish his will in your life. Seek Him first. Desire Him above all else. Not material things. Not earthly things, but heavenly things first. When you pray, hallowed be thy name, that's what you're asking for. And when we get to heaven, it's not going to stop. 
hallowed be thy name. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. All the other things, all these other petitions will have been fulfilled. Will have come to fruition, but that, holy, 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 praising him is not. That's going to be forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, it starts now. And it starts looking at this prayer that God, that Jesus taught his disciples and learning from it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. All the rest of them too are so important. But hallowed be thy name. That's a, that's a priority. That's a first importance. Learn well what you're asking God to do. Hallow his name through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, your teaching here. It teaches us as well. Uh, we, we need to learn better how to hallow your name. We need to be doing it every day in every way and aspect of our lives. And we know, <laughs> we know we fail at this, but we're asking for more grace so that we will continue to advance in sanctification, awaiting our glorification someday when we will in glory hallow your name forever and ever, world without end. And all God's people say, Amen.